want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. And while you're turning there, I want to just say one more thing in case you didn't hear earlier. Uh, This is Family Worship Center Columbia. We are part of a group of churches, a network of churches across uh, the state of South Carolina. And today I'm excited because we've launched our newest church in Sumter, South Carolina. So we now have one in Florence, Georgetown, here in Sumter. So if you know anyone in those areas, um, we'd love to have them as a part of the family. I'm excited for my pastor, Pastor Steve McCart, in launching that newest newest church today. And I know many lives are going to be touched and changed, and we're excited to be a part of it. Praise the Lord. Are you there in Matthew chapter 28? Well, I love movies. I love movies. I love, uh, I love, I'm a good storyteller. I like to tell stories. And in doing all of that, I've learned some things about telling stories. And definitely in, in doing media, I like doing um, all that. I was originally went into the ministry as a media director. That was my, um, that was what I was hired to do a long time ago now. And, uh, when, when I started all that, I didn't know much, but I learned things. And one of the things I learned is that the length of your video, if you're making a film or making a short video, it really matters. And the most important thing is that the payoff at the end has to be worth the length of time. If you have a really short video, it's pretty easy to be satisfied at the end of it. That's why TikTok and Instagram and all these things are so popular, because if you're not satisfied, it was only a few seconds long and you just scan past it. But if it's a longer video, long, uh, what they call a long-form video, you really want to be satisfied at the end of the story. How many of you have ever left a movie and you're like, seriously? That's the end? She died? Come on! You know, and you're like mad when you leave there. Nobody wants that. You know, sometimes in movie making, they'll actually make several versions of the end. And they'll beta test them in, in rooms just to see which end do the audiences like better and they'll put that ending in. Many of your favorite Marvel movies, if you watch, there's several different endings to them. Why do they do that? Because the ending of the story matters. When you talk about the story of Jesus and everything that he went through in his 33 years of life and everything we've talked up to until this point of the service, now we get to the end of the story. And the end's the best part. And the words that I'm about to read you, I believe, are the best words that mankind has ever heard. Because it ratified and solidified everything that Jesus did. Everything that, I mean, there were many people who died for causes, martyrs. There are many people. And Jesus would have been just one of them if he hadn't risen from the dead. Many, you could talk about a lot of different religions. And a lot of different religions, they have great, great morals and great standards they have great prophets or, or leaders or whatever they may call them, gods. And all of those that, that the world has created, they died or they started dead. They started as an idol, as something fake, or if they were an, a real person on the earth, they died. But what makes Jesus different is what I'm about to read to you. In Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1, now after the Sabbath, As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now, on a lighter note, on a funny note, if you don't get anything out of my message today, I want you to cherish the fact that as low as your life may feel and as insignificant as you may think, at least you're not the other Mary. You know what I mean? Wouldn't that be terrible to be the other Mary? Anyways, all right, verse 2. And behold... Now they get there, they get to the tomb, they get to the moment, they're coming to to, uh, check on their Savior. And behold, there was a great earthquake, 
For an angel of the Lord descended from the heavens and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on top of it. This stone was not like a little stone that you have in your yard. This was not a rock that your your dog can pick up. If, uh, If you've been attending for a while, you know I have a dog named Oreo. He's a black and white border collie. He was awesome the first six months. Now that we're on the second half of this first year, I'm not so certain. If anybody wants a dog, I may have one up for grabs. Not really. My kids would not be happy with me if I got rid of the dog. But he, he's now big, and so he's big, but he's still a puppy. And he will pick up all, like, like we built this nice fire pit type thing. He's destroyed it. Took it, all the rocks and all that. These weren't those types of rocks. This was a stone. A massive stone covering a massive opening that you could walk through. That, that, that several, several men would have to move. The reason they did this is because they wanted to make sure when they put Jesus in the tomb that he wasn't coming out and that no one was coming in. They wanted to make sure they put guards at the tomb. Why were the guards there? Because they wanted to make sure. See, the religious leaders knew messianic prophecy. And what I mean by that is that they knew the prophecies that declared that if a a man came, did everything that Jesus did, and then rose from the dead, that was the Messiah. But when they killed him, they were killing him for for heresy. They were killing him because he, he said all these things and they didn't believe he was who he said he was. What they didn't realize was, is that by killing him, they put it all into plan. They put it all into, the, the plan came, was able to happen because they killed him. So they put him in the tomb, they put these guards here, and the angel of the Lord came, the earthquake happened to move the stone, and the angel sat on top of it. I told the youth on Tuesday, that angel had to be sitting there like a boss. You know what I mean? I mean, sitting up on top of the tomb saying, you know what, I don't know why you guys are here. What are you doing here? What are you looking for? And so, because he's an angel, he did know, though. Look at verse 3. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him, and they became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. But he is not. I... I want you to hear the best words ever spoken, but he is not here. Why would I call these the best words ever spoken? Why would this be so important? Because the fact that they rolled up on the tomb to see a stone rolled away, to see a savior who was no longer there, solidified everything they had followed, everything they had done, everything that had led up to this moment was now come to pass. That this was, in fact, not just Jesus of Nazareth, but Jesus the Messiah. This was not just another prophet, but this was the second coming king. This was the second Adam. This was the the, the prophecies and everything they had waited. The Jews had waited for thousands of years for this moment. For that moment. For the angel to say, he is not here, for he is risen. As he said. Now, why did the angel put that little caveat in there? As he said. Because Jesus, when he walked the earth, he he let them know in advance. Hey, here's what's coming. Y'all are going to kill me, and I'll be back. Like, you think Terminator came back? No, he he came back. Like, Jesus came back better than any other. He came back. Listen, he told them, listen to me. 
Jesus put into action, prophesied for himself, when you guys kill me, on the third day I'll bring it back. Now when he said that, he said it, he was talking about the temple, talking about his body, but everyone was confused. What do you mean? How can you build a temple in three days? He said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll build it back. They were confused by that. But at this moment, there was no more confusion. At this moment, there was no more confusion. They realized, oh man, it's been three days and he is risen just as he said he would be. He's alive just as he said he would be. And so what else happens? What else is the, the angel? The angel answers says, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus. He is not here for he is risen as he has said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Go quickly. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Jesus appeared to several. Several people right after this. Several people over the next few days. Then he appeared to around 400 people. And he did all this to show. He appeared to Doubting Thomas. If you've ever heard of the story of Doubting Thomas. Where, where he, he wouldn't believe until he saw Jesus. And then he finally saw Jesus. And Jesus said, touch, touch, touch my hands. Touch the holes. In touch, touch, see where I was pierced. And, and, and then Thomas believed. And what did Jesus say at that moment? He said, blessed are those who believe and don't see. You believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe and don't see. That's why we preach faith here as often as we do, because faith says, I believe even when I don't see. For you to, to, to receive Jesus, and if you've never heard that phrase before, if you don't know what that means, let me explain it just briefly. What that means is, is that you accept that I believe what you're telling me today. I believe that a man came to this earth, God and man, and that he lived a perfect life and died for me. And that I don't want to live a life bound by sin anymore. And when you say, when you, you admit that and accept that, all you have to do, the Bible tells us in Romans, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you do that, what happens? What happens? What's the big deal? Why, why do I need to do that? Because the world we live in today has conditioned us that we have all of the, our, our world, we have more solutions ex, easily accessible than ever before. A solution for this, a solution for that. A solution for this, a solution for that. If you have this, here's that. If you have this, take this. If you, I mean, whatever, whatever problem you have, there's a loan, an app, a, a, a website, something that will fix your problem. But you know what I've come to discover about all of these solutions? Is they just create more problems. They just create more problems. As I go through and as I, I, I try different things, they just create more problems. So now what I do is ask the Lord, Lord, if there's a solution out there, I want it to be your solution that you give to me and then I'll use it. Because otherwise it's just, it's just me trying to figure things out and me using the world systems to try to, and y'all are, many of you, I see you nodding your heads and you're like, yeah, you're right because you've probably done it. Like I tried that and it didn't really work and I tried this and it didn't really make me satisfied. It didn't really do anything for me. I didn't really feel any different. I didn't really change much. 
I didn't really, I mean, I went through and I, 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 I did what they said to do, but then I still felt depressed. I went through and I, I, I tried to come out of this COVID thing and man, I thought my life would be better, but it seems more crazy than ever. Seems more lucrative. I mean, the, the world just seems upside down. Yet God saw everything we're going through 2,000 years ago and the solution you're looking for died on a cross 2,000 years ago was buried in a grave 2,000 years ago. And today we celebrate that 2,000 years ago, he got up out of that grave and he came out and he wants to come into your life. Man, I get excited thinking about that. That God sent a solution for me. And that everything that I need in this life and in the life to come, this life and in the life to come, that God, God actually cares about your life today. Did you know that? He knows the hair on your head. He knows every need in your life. He knows everything that's going on. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Oh, God's not real. He's not really alive anymore. He's not. All it takes is for you to to just look around. Chaos breeds chaos. In order for there to be something like the world we live in, there's a creator who created it. And what's so amazing is that he loves you so much that he wants a relationship with you. Well, I prayed, I prayed, pastor, and I never really felt anything. I never really felt much of a connection. I didn't really, you know, I just don't know. What's that supposed to feel like? Or what are you supposed to, you know? I I, I didn't, you know, a lot of us have these uh, experiences. I wonder, well, how, how 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 do I overcome that? How do I get past that? It's what I said a few minutes ago. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And that we don't walk by, by sight, we walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. See, faith says that I know I'm saved. Faith says I know my God is for me. Faith says I know, and then what I'm about to break down to you about the resurrection in a second, we're going to read a few more scriptures. And, and I, I know all of that, and I know it by faith. When you step into faith and you say, hey, I actually believe, like it's not just words on a page anymore. It's not just the one service a year that I go to on Easter and I hear a decent sermon and, you know, my kids get to have some fun. No, he wants a relationship with you. And that relationship happens by faith. By faith, you say, you know what? I'm going to step this out by faith. I may, have, I may have not gone to church in two years due to COVID. Well, I'm back in church. I may, I may not have, have uh, uh, prayed much over two years because everything felt so crazy. God's not mad at you. You may have made a bunch of mistakes uh, over, over your whole life. God's not angry about that. He wants better for you. The great evangelist Billy Graham said this. He said, you know, God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you so much, he doesn't want you to stay there. He doesn't want you to stay like that. Wherever you're at today, whatever condition you're in today, he wants you to go higher, to go up, to go further. Will you turn with me to Colossians? I want to read these scriptures to you and then I'm going to wrap up. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 12. There's several, several good statements that are made through this. Paul wrote this, the apostle Paul, and he wrote this to the church at Colossus. And he was clarifying some things about the resurrection, about what happened on that Sunday morning. 
or what we would call Sunday morning, what we're celebrating is a Sunday morning, when they went to the tomb and the angel was there and the stone was rolled away and he said, Jesus is not here. And Paul's explaining some things. First of all, he explained something about baptism. He said that you're buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. God raised Jesus from the dead. If you've ever seen baptisms, water baptisms, what happens? You baptize people, you go down under the water, and you come up out of the water. Why do you come out of the water? Well, if not, they wouldn't be called baptisms, they would be called murder. You got to come out of the water. Why do we come out of the water? Because it represents the raising part of what God did. The raising that, that I'm buried, my sins are buried under the water, but as I come up, I'm raised with life in Christ. In verse 13, it goes on to say, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Who did he make alive? You. Well, I don't feel very alive. You've got to receive it by faith. You've got to walk by faith and say, you know what? I, I, if, if God said he made me alive and he sent his son to make me alive, then I'm not going to allow the devil to beat me up, knock me down, destroy me. See, a lot of what, what our belief structure, it comes from uh, teaching that tells us the bad things in our life come from God. And so if you think that, if you think the bad things in your life come from God, well, God's beating me up, God's dealing with me, God's teaching me. But the Bible tells us something very important. You have to understand this today. That when you deal with bad things in your life, they come from the devil. Correction comes from the Lord. How does God teach us? Through his word and through his spirit. That's how he teaches us, really through his word. Because his spirit will only, I mean, the Holy Spirit won't say anything contradictory to what God's already said. So, how does God teach us? Through his word. Through his word. I don't, I don't need to get cancer to be taught something. And I can say that very affirmatively because many of us in this room today have kids. They're out there in that Easter egg hunt right now. And we try to teach them every single day. Don't get hit by a car. Don't go on that street. You'll, be, you'll get hit by a car. Don't touch the stove. You'll get burned. It's hot. It's hot. Don't touch the stove. I have three little kids. Kaylee, Madison, Joshua. Five, three, and two. Our house is is busy. There's a lot of no, 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 eh, eh, stop, eh. and then add in Oreo the dog. It's just a madhouse. It's just a madhouse. Everybody in this room would think I was crazy if I brought my daughter up and said, now, Kaylee, I want you to learn what happens if you touch the stove. Now, it's hot. I want you to go ahead and just burn your hand so you learn never to touch the stove. And she came to church with a big burnt, red, scarred hand because daddy was teaching her. Yet that's what many of us think that God does. That God is a child abuser who puts us through all these things to teach us. But John chapter 10, verse 10. I didn't prep the team. I don't know if they have it where they could pull it in because we've had some technical issues today. But you can look in your Bibles at John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says this. The thief, the devil, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come. Jesus came. And he came to this earth. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10, the second half of verse 10. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. 
I came to destroy the works of the, 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 the devil is what 1 John tells us. I, Jesus came to destroy what Satan did, what Satan does. And as, as our rapper friend so eloquently put, in the Garden of Eden, we had it perfect. We had everything right. Peace, health, prosperity. But sin entered the world through man. And because it did, everything changed until Jesus came. And he made everything right. He made everything right. Well, what did he make right? Let's finish reading this in Colossians. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which were contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, having disarmed principalities and powers, having disarmed. I'm not a police officer, but I understand that one of the first things they teach you to do in a situation like that is disarm the other, disarm the other person. Jesus Christ disarmed Satan. That's what he's talking about. Principalities and powers. Anything the devil tries to do against you. In, in another scripture, the Bible tells us that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Why are you quoting all this scripture? Because it's what I live by. Like I live by faith and I live by the scripture. Like I actually believe it and I actually walk it out. Do you have a perfect life then? No. Because the devil attacks me. But when he does, just recently, we had, we had sickness hit our house. I mean, it hit, and the devil came. He came. He was, he was coming. I mean, all of us were trying. I mean, everybody. Well, what do I do? I can either let him just run rampant and let sickness just take over our house, or I can resist it. Because the Bible tells me when I resist the devil, he'll flee. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, this is all new to me. I've never heard anything like this. Well, this is the gospel. That Jesus died, and as you see right here, he resurrected, and having done so, he disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Triumphing over them. When he rose from the dead, it was triumphant. I told this story during the first service. I think it's a good story, so I'm going to share it again. Now, I'm a Clemson fan. I know I'm from Columbia. This is where I live, but I went to Clemson as my alma mater. So I'm a Clemson fan. My daughter, Kaylee, was born just a few weeks before uh, their first national title in 2016. The first one since, uh, it was the first one in a long time. And so uh, being a Clemson fan, I'm watching the game. It's a national title game. She's like two weeks old. So my wife is in the living room. My mother-in-law is with us. She's holding Kaylee, two-week-old baby, and I'm trying to watch the game. Well, it's not a few minutes into the game. My wife's asleep. A few minutes after that, Kaylee's asleep. And so the, everybody's asleep, and, and we're all, we're all uh, uh, trying to get through you know, the game, right? And, and my mother-in-law, she's trying to, to stay awake, trying to watch it with me. And uh, it's back and forth, back and forth. Clips is losing, Clips is up. Clips is losing, Alabama's up. Clips, I mean, it's just back and forth, back and forth. Finally, it gets to the last drive. And Clips is driving down the field. And I'm getting excited, you know what I mean? I'm, get, I'm getting pumped. Because I know we're about to bring this trophy home. And so I'm getting excited. Well, they're asleep. They're asleep. But at that moment, when Deshaun Watson dropped back and Hunter Renfro came off to the side, chop block came off, boom. Deshaun Watson hit him in the corner. I didn't care. Who was asleep, baby? I was triumphant. I ran around that living room. I went nuts. Kaylee woke up. My mother-in-law was like, what happened? What happened? Oh, okay. All right. I knew. I knew we had won, man. We had won. I was triumphant. I was celebrating 
with the team, with our fans all over the world. Why? Because they won. When you're triumphant, you act like it. We need to act like we've won. We need to live like we've won. We need to live like Jesus rose from the dead. We need to live like it. I want you to live like it. I want you to walk in resurrection power every day of your life. Because that's what Jesus supplied for us, was resurrection power. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. How do I get this power? I think that a misnomer, another misnomer that the church has kind of let people believe is that Christianity is a bunch of no's. And there are definitely some no's, but the no's are, like I said, like we do with our kids, to protect us. But there are so many more yeses. If you read through this, so many promises, so many serve me. Oh, serving God is hard. Actually, that's not what the Bible says. It says, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Look it up. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's actually harder. The Bible says in Proverbs, the way of the transgressor is hard. Living, living for the devil is hard. Living without God, that's hard. Many, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yeah, sure. We like to quote that one all the time. But what does the second half of that verse say? But God shall deliver us from them all. See, there's so many yeses, so many positives to serving God. And if I promise you today that if you get hooked up at a church like this, we're not the only good church, but we're a church that teaches the full gospel of the word of God. And if you get hooked up at a place like this that'll build your faith, how does faith come? Romans 10 tells us that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And when you hear it taught and you get in a place that's going to feed you and feed your family and you're going to hear the word of God taught it correctly and understand it correctly, your faith will be built and your, your life will change. How? From the inside out. From the inside out. When you get saved, first of all, let me explain what salvation is because this is pretty cool. See, the Bible talks about getting born again. How do you get born again? Simple. You accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I told you a few minutes ago, you believe in your heart, you confess through your mouth. You get saved. When you get saved, on the inside, something's made new. You're going to look the same, sound the same, be the same on the outside, but on the inside, something's made new. And when you walk in that, when you allow that newness of what's created on the inside of you, and you allow the Word of God to transform you from the inside out, you'll actually see change. So I, I, I don't, this was not entirely in my notes. There were several things that I've said today that were, were what I would call being led by the Spirit. And in saying all this, what I sense is that there's many of you today who felt like, well, I've tried this before. And it, I'm not saying you did anything wrong. I'm saying, why'd you stop? Why'd you stop? Why, why did you stop serving God? What if Jesus had stopped halfway through the crucifixion? I can't do it anymore. Just take me down. I'll admit it. I'll, 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 whatever y'all want. Just don't kill me. He cried blood in the garden of Gethsemane. God, if there's any way, take this cup from me. But if not, your will be done, not mine. Because he knew what he was about to go through. He knew what was about to happen. 
He knew. They're not going to go easy on me. They're going to beat me to death. I'm sure he had seen a crucifixion. I'm sure he knew what it looked like to hang on a cross. I'm sure he knew what was coming. Yet he did it. And I want to encourage all of you today, as the band comes back up and as we begin to wrap up this service, that you make a decision. I'm not going to give up on God. He didn't give up on me. The Bible tells us that he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't change He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All this that I'm quoting is scripture. And what's happening as I quote it is faith is being built on the inside of you. Because it's not just my words, it's his. It's his words. It's God's word. God's word coming alive in your spirit. God's word coming alive in you. I want everybody in this room to stand up on your feet. As we begin to close the service. I want to give everybody, those watching online as well, it's good to see all of you. I saw so many people jumping online. Give a shout out to my grandma, Bobby. I saw you on there. I'm sure there's other family on there as well. Love you guys. Whether you're watching online and you need to make this decision or you're in this room, maybe the first time you've ever been in church, first time in a long time, I don't care and neither does God. What he wants is to know that today, if something were to happen to you, something were to happen to you, when you leave this earth, your spirit leaves your body, you're going to go one of two places. Hell is very real and heaven is very real. And we want to see you in heaven. When we use the term saved, I've talked about it several times through my message today. What does that mean? That I'm saved from a life of eternity in hell. I'm saved from that. I'm saved from a second death. Instead of dying here on earth and then dying again in hell, when you get saved, you're born twice but only have to die once. Because when I die here, I'm in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I want to give you an opportunity to make this decision today with every head bowed and every eye closed. There are two types of people that would fit in a category that need to make a decision for Jesus. Number one is a person who has known Jesus but needs to make things right. You've been, you've lived for God before but you've gone astray. God still loves you. He is still for you, and he wants that relationship with you. He wants to know that you, <laughs> that you believe in him, that you love him, and he loves you. He's never stopped loving you. He's never stopped. His blood was shed to forgive you of everything bad that you've done. And if you're the second type of person, that's somebody who you know Jesus, or you, you, you now know Jesus, and you need him. You've never had a relationship with him before, and you need him. You need Jesus, a real, authentic relationship with him. Man, I need Jesus. I need his Holy Spirit to come in and change me like Pastor was talking about. I'm tired of living the life that I've been living, and I want to be changed. I want to be different. I want to live for him. I don't even know what that means. I've never done it before and I don't know, but I want, I want to know. I want to know how to do it. I want to know how to change. I'm tired of living the life that I've been living. I'm tired of not knowing what, my, what the next day will bring and not know. I want some certainty that I can have through God. I'm going to live by faith, as Pastor said. I'm going to live by faith. 
and I'm going to make that decision right now. If you're either one of those two types of people with every head bowed, not to embarrass anybody, I want you just to raise your hand and let me know that's you. I see hands. I see hands. Hands all through the room. If you're online, they're going to put things on the chat to let you know how you can respond. I believe there's more. Don't be afraid. I see your hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Because we're a smaller group, I'm not even going to ask you to come down front. I'm going to meet you where you are after the service, and, and I, can, I can talk to you more about what, whatever, whatever questions you have. But raise your hand. Let me know it's you so that we can pray with you, so that we can be with you. I believe there's more. I believe there's more. Raise your hand. Let me know. This is, this is my moment. This is my time to serve Jesus Christ for the rest of my days. I see your hands. Okay, now, I believe that was it. All right, now, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to look up. I want everybody to say this prayer with me. I want everybody to say this prayer with me. I want you to say say it out loud because you have to believe in your heart and you have to confess with your mouth. And so I want us to do this together, amen? If you're online, say it out loud. Ready, everybody? Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, today I declare Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ came to this earth as a baby. He lived as a man, a sinless life, but he died on the cross for me. I believe that on the third day, he rose from the grave. I believe he's alive. I believe he's seated in heaven with you today. I declare that the old is gone. I'm leaving my past behind and I'm turning to a future with you. I thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me of all my sin and all my unrighteousness. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I ask all this believe all this and receive all this in Jesus name. Amen and amen. All right, now we get to celebrate and the band is going to play one more song. We're going to sing this on our way out of here, but please let me dismiss you before you leave because I want to, many of you I haven't met before and I want to meet you. So one last song, I want you guys to sing with us and declare this, that he's risen. If you guys will start that track, I want you guys to put your hands together and sing along with our team.